we had our first draft of a script and we wanted to use the horse in the pink ones. And we worked with this horse in a different film and we knew how lovely the horse was and we knew how awesome its trainer was, but we had this scene. And so in order to get a horse in a pink onesie in downtown New York, you, uh, well, first I was, I had to apply for a SAG paperwork because we were shooting screen actors guild. I, I'm a first time producer. So all of this is brand new to me, <laughs> at least the application process. And then I had to talk with the police department and then I had to get, uh, a layout of the land. I had to say where the horse was going to be, how far their trailer was going to be, who was going to be cleaning up after it. And then I had to make sure I had a veterinarian on standby. So I had to find a vet, call them, communicate with them and say, Hey, can I use your telephone number for this piece of paper? And will you be available during this time? Um, and all of that had to happen in three weeks. The process normally takes about seven weeks or more to do. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. Welcome back, our favorite people, to this show all about loving your work and working with your love. If you're one of our many listeners who loves nothing more this time of year than pouring yourself a glass of wine, popping a big old bowl of popcorn, and snuggling up to watch Hallmark Christmas movies, you're in luck this week. Today we're chatting with married actors, producers, business owners, and brand new parents, Jen Godson and Jim Chandler. Together, these two starred in the movie called... The Farmer and the Bell, Saving Santa Land, and own the franchise by the same name. They also produced the movie through their production company, Idealist Godson Films. Jen is an award-winning actress known in the faith-based market. She starred in over 70 projects, including two Oscar-nominated films, Frost Nixon and Alone Yet Not Alone. Her movie, My Daddy is in Heaven, broke records as a mover and shaker on Amazon and trended on Netflix, followed by Lionsgate's Saving Faith, a film starring both her, her and Jim. In addition to acting and producing, she speaks across the globe, inspiring and impacting audiences. Jim is an award-winning actor who has appeared on ABC, NBC, CBS, and the hit video game Red Dead Redemption 2. Jim had a recurring role on BET's The Quad, AMC's Lodge 49, and has had 20 appearances on the Investigation Discovery Channel. The pair has worked together on over 15 projects, including an international modeling campaign in China. Together, they own and run Idealist Gotts and Films, which produces movies, including The Farmer and the Bell. The movie itself is actually based on their real-life story, and we can't wait to dive into that story more today. You guys are in for a treat. We're going to be talking about horses in the middle of Times Square. These guys videotaped their wedding for part of this movie. 
Uh, they have some interesting stories, and we get to dive into what it's like to produce a movie. So strap yourselves in and enjoy this episode. So Jen and Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being part of the Mixing Business with Pleasure podcast. And yes, and we love your outfits. So for those that are listening to the show and not watching the video, we have Jen and Jim here from The Farmer and the Bell. This is their first movie together. They are seasoned actors and they've done so much in their career, and now they've come together as husband and wife and new parents to put together a beautiful movie, which we will talk about further into the show. But before we dive into that, we'd like to ask you guys a question. Work and love are both four-letter words, and they are the premise of what we do here at Unmixing Business with Pleasure. So please tell us, what are your favorite four-letter words? Gosh, you really put us on the spot because there is no prepared answer for that. Um, Hope, H O P E. That's a good one, and I think for me, uh, true. Mm. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about why you chose those words. Well, I love that Jen said hope, but I chose true because it had four letters, and because. I think that that's such an important word because from the word true, we get truth. And mm-hmm. um, truth is something that a lot of people, including myself, need. Like we need the truth. When we're, when we're consuming things from these little boxes and from the TV, we need the truth. Mm-hmm. And we need the truth from one another. We need to be true in our relationships. You know, when we're building a house, we want all the corners to be true. So all of these things can come together to make wonderful relationships, but then also make wonderful structures. So it's, it's, a, it's a term that can be used in so many different ways. And I think that understanding you know, the truth about who we are and about what we're put on this earth to do and holding true to that, you know, it kind of blends into what, we're, what our goals are in life and what our dreams are. And then also you know, having hope. That would, you know, I can let Jen speak to that now, but that, I think that's, that would be my extemporaneous answer about why I selected true. I hope that. <laughs> Meanwhile, my heart is like pounding going, look at what an amazing man he is. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I think that's one of the neatest things I love about you is your philosophical approach to just understanding life. It's mm. just inspirational to me. <laughs> hope I chose because it was the first four letter word I thought of and I love hope is because it's what lets your heart long for new beginnings new ideas new adventures as the both of you are a couple in business it allows the entrepreneurial mind to have creative vision and then have hope for the opportunities to be able to execute on that and so if we don't have hope I feel like we're lost inside and it could become really dark. But if we do have hope, it allows us to have a new beginning, a new day, a new sunrise. That would be my answer. I love both of those answers, and I think that they are so true 
to think <laughs> about those words, you know, true and hope in relation to just about everything about life, but especially about relationships and especially about couples that work together. Because in that relationship, in that most important relationship, not only are you working with your love, but you're working on building something. And so you need to be true to yourself, true to each other, true to the mission of your business. And you have to have hope because entrepreneurs, we're kind of a crazy bunch, right? We just do things. We jump off a ledge. We think about it later. We dive into our work and we often need hope sometimes in those dark times, in the times of our business where things might not be going as expected or, you know, in this 2020, I know everyone listening and everyone um, out there in the world today has faced some hardship. Well, moving on from these four letter words, which I love, let's talk about you guys. Tell us what came first, business or love? Mm, business. Business, yeah. We were cast in a suspense movie that was filming in Tybee Island or Savannah, Georgia. And he was cast as the bad guy and I was cast as the good guy. And that is how we met. Mm-hmm. So it was business, but we immediately developed a friendship and we, it was, you know, we stayed in contact immediately after that. So that's, it, it started with business, but you know, our business is actually filled with a lot of pleasure because I mean, we love being able to get to getting to be on set. So it's a whole lot of fun that we get, that we actually get to make a little bit of money when we do it. Not a lot. Uh, <laughs> But we do get to make a little bit of money when we do it. But yeah, so it's kind of a combination of both. But yeah, I'll say business first. Yeah. yeah. Business first. Now, were you guys, did, were you in relationships at the time with other people or were you both single? No, I was, I was single at the time and Jen was newly single. Yeah. yeah, I was newly single. I just came out of a divorce. And just to be completely transparent, um, my heart was extremely broken and hurt and wounded. And in the movie, our characters needed to have a, a, a love connection, but I couldn't connect to a rock. And so when Jim said, hey, did you want to hang out before we're shooting? I was like, I actually need to just so I could break down some of these walls so I can connect as an actor and, and, and do the work in my imaginative world, how I work as an actor. And, and so during that time, we really developed a sweet friendship. And then uh, later after we got done filming in Tybee, everyone, all the cast and crew was supposed to go to the beach. No one showed up except for Jim and me. And it was like our, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was this most special time. And then we drove, was it six hours in a car? Back to Atlanta, yeah. And we were talking Five and, hours, yeah. and he was sharing all these things that he enjoys. Like he likes to cook good food and I like to eat good food. <laughs> he likes to ski. I love skiing. He likes to dance. I love dancing. I don't do very good at dancing. He's a really good dancer. <laughs> um, and my heart was like, oh my gosh, who is this man? And then when we, because we lived far away, he would write me letters and he got these cards, like a deck of 10 of them that said friend on the front. And right before I left to catch the plane, I found a card underneath my hotel room and I opened it up and it says, don't open until you get on the plane. And he began courting my heart with cards. Wow. And then as our friendship progressed. That friend turned into best friend turned into girlfriend and you would write in front of it <laughs> and I have all the cards at home. And that was actually one of the inspirations for our movie, having our characters as pen pals. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's a beautiful story. And it's it's one that, you know, let's be honest here. When we think about Hollywood couples, you know, she in saves the press all my and in, in magazines and online, there's, there's a lot of negativity around it. But it really sounds like you guys were rooted in building a friendship having a strong foundation and respecting one another as individuals, not as, you know, your characters or not as sort of Hollywood conceptualized visuals of the, of, of either of you, but it was really about building a friendship. And Jim, I have to say that that touches my heart because I love cards. I love notes. I tell Mike all the time, you know, don't get me anything, but get me a card. I want a card. And I have a I have I have a box that one day I'm going to have to figure out what am I going to do with all these cards. But <laughs> ever since I was a baby, uh, my mom saved them for me. And then as I got older, I kind of took on that tradition. So I, I love that story. I love that thing that you did, Jim, of sending cards. And I want to kind of underscore that for our male listeners out there, that that is a beautiful way to begin a friendship and begin a relationship with a woman. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful start. But let's talk a little bit about, about this idea of couples in Hollywood. You have a business together. You have, my understanding is you have two film production companies. You've, you put out a huge film, largely based on your relationship. And yet today we often see a lot of Hollywood couples that, that fail, you know, that, that don't maintain their marriages. They end up in the news. It's all over the place. It's negative. It's bad press out there. But you guys have maintained a beautiful, wholesome relationship, starting with a friendship, meeting on set, but then building into a relationship. And now as entrepreneurs, what do you think are some of the cornerstones of your relationship, both in marriage and in business that have allowed you to, to do what you do together? Well, I think it's uh, a true and hope. <laughs> uh, no, I think that uh, what what you find is that you know you don't you, like you said you don't hear about Hollywood couple makes it to their fiftieth wedding anniversary you know mm-hmm. like you don't hear that very often but it does happen but what you do hear about is when somebody's going through a nasty breakup because that's a narrative that's mm-hmm. a drama that's that has some conflict in it where it's like the loving couple that has just loved each other forever and ever. You don't hear much about that, but like I'm, uh, I the one that comes to mind is like uh, I know they're both they have a very broad age range, but they've been together for a long time. Like Harrison Ford and Calista Flockhart. Like you don't hear about them. You just, like you see them on the red carpet together, or they get photos together, and then they talk about how they've been together for a long time. But it's not ever going to lead anything. It's not going to lead the the front page. It's not going to lead the the cover or anything like that. But for our foundation, it, 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 I I jokingly say true and hope, but our foundation is based on truth. Like me and Jen are, are, are both people of faith. So that's a very solid rock for us. And we're, we're not uh, going to apologize for that or anything like that, but we're, we're also allow that to lead us. So like I, when I pursued her, I wanted to pursue friendship and I actually wanted to seek mentors advice and talk to other men about what is the right path here? Like I, cause I didn't want to look at it as an opportunity to take advantage because she's vulnerable. She's just coming out of this situation, but I wanted to kind of take a step back and say, what does it mean for me to treat her and value her like the magnificent masterpiece that she is? And like all women are. So that like, it ties into our message of the film. I'm not sure if you guys have had an opportunity to watch mm-hmm. it, but that's part of our messaging. And we wanted that foundation is important to Jen and I, mm-hmm. and we want that to carry through. Like, we, you know, our, our vows mean something. And, you know, we are going through this journey together 
based on that, you know, having hope for the future, but also being grounded in truth. And we want to be as truthful and, and honest with each other, but also the, our faith is a, is a big foundation for us. And I think to add on to what you were sharing, one of your good friends who actually married us, he helped us understand um, the three aspects of love, which I think is also part of the cornerstone of our relationship. In, um, in is it Hebrew? There, there's three different Hebrew words for love. Yeah. Ahava, Raya, and Dod. And what they mean is one is friendship, which is where we talked about. Another is, is commitment. That in your forever. soul, yeah. that you will commit forever. And then the, and the dode stands for passion, that fire, the, um, in other aspects, I want to jump your bones. Yeah, you the, know? the fun stuff. <laughs> and so um, a lot of relationships will have two without the third. Right. For well, example, the majority of people will just focus on the dode, the, the passion, yeah, from, from and then maybe they'll have a friendship. You know, in the business but they world, won't have that commitment. So it falls two short. Of advice, right? Or maybe they have the commitment the and the friendship, but that passion is gone because they've been married for so long. Project and they're exhausted with the kids and they're just really like, ah. So I'd love to sort of talk that. about that in terms As of, for us, you know, was this a natural progression for you kind of in your careers or God how did you get to that point? And that fire is burning uh, a bright right. in, in our lives. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'll talk about the niche portion. Yeah, sure. Okay. One of the concepts when we began were how do we create products in merchandising through the movie to live independent of each other as an entrepreneurial and be able to impact lives. And then we backed up and we said, what is our mission? And our mission with the farmer and the bell was to impact girls and women with value about their beauty. And so that was one of the things that became a niche. And then we wrapped it around a fun Christmas story because girls and women love Christmas movies. And then it uh, naturally from that then got inspired from real life events from our true story. And so those were some things that were created that became like a niche in how we put together the farmer and the bell. Yeah, and one of the other things we really focused on was not only do we know kind of what our market can be for that, especially because we're bringing elements of our faith into the story, but not being preachy about it. Like we believe that those values kind of stand on their own. But so we also were intentional in that because we don't want to alienate a, a, an audience that would would not normally come in if it was going to be if they felt like they were being like preached at or if it was like some of those cheesy things that you see in some of these movies <laughs> like we wanted our we wanted to do our best to avoid that and that that way kind of opening up our audience and saying hey we we want we want everybody to know every every female that might be struggling with their identity or with being bullied at school or being picked on or even young girls just to know that there's a pathway out of that that we hope that we can help instill and then as Jen said creating those products we're specifically for that. So we, we, we kind of, we, we have our niche, but then we also wanted to make sure that we were open and not, not preventing people that would 
may not be interested in the film from seeing it, but now when they do see it, that they're like, you know what, this is a good message because it's a good message, not because of because it comes from a certain religious view, but it's like these these principles are uh, are true no matter what. Like every woman is valuable. Like there is no arguing that. That's a that's a self evident statement, and every woman should be treated as if they're valuable. Is a self evident statement that our our society lacks as a whole. So, you know, having that type of messaging that we can share, I, I think it's important. And that's why it's so great to be able to, to talk with different different people and be interviewed for different things and say, this is us, this is what we're trying to do. And if you want to enjoy the movie and get, a, get and, you, and then you get the message out of it, great. But it's still going to be a fun movie regardless. And you're going to enjoy seeing her wrestle around in the pig slot <laughs> going after pigs. Like, so like there's, you're still going to see a horse in a pink onesie in downtown New York City. Like, and so it's still kind of like the kids love it. The family, you know, it's just so a fun I, family. I had, a, I had a different question I was going to ask, but you brought uh, up the guide, uh, I want to go there. Ted how, how difficult is it to get a, you have to have a horse like 70% in the middle of Times physical Square. comedy Spoiler or alert physical for actions that are telling your story. And so we worked really hard with our screenwriters to be able to make those happen. So families and kids and all ages will just have fun watching this movie. And so... Yeah, just to add on with the pig slop and putting Santa hats on pigs in the Santa Land games is just part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs>
the cops were there and they said, uh, you can't shoot these kids. And I was like, what, do what? Uh, they're not paid. And he was like, doesn't matter. They have to have work permits. And thankfully, New York offers a 15-day temporary work permit that you can print off as long as you have a guardian there to sign it. So, you know, I have somebody getting on one of those city bikes. I'm not sure if you're from a city or not. But that you know, hopping on there, going to a Staples to print it off and taking it. And meanwhile, they're trying to shoot. They're shooting with the adults waiting for the bring the kids. And it's just, and we got it all done in a day. And it was like, you know, almost the scene's longer than what we shot. And I think it was like five pages, which normally would take a day and a half or more on a, on a regular, you know, full budget, big giant film set. But yeah. To add on, Jim and I also had to get permits. We shot in the Flatiron District Correct, in New York yeah. City. So we needed permits from what entities, Jim? Uh, I think there was three different permits. One was for the veterinarian. One was for the, the ability to shoot. And it then the Flatiron like District kind of has its own, like, uh, I don't know how you use, like, its own commission or its own, like, thing where it's like, well, if you're going to do this, well, if you're, let's see. And, like, we had to talk to the people at the Flatiron Building and then talk to the local businesses and like all this stuff. Cause we were shooting in the middle of the street. Like at the time there was like a walk area and we were shooting on this triangle that's concrete where there's cars that go on either side of it. And we're on this middle thing shooting there and we have to put up, uh, it was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. We, we, I used to live in the East coast and go to New York all the time. And I know that flat iron building where it's kind of has like a, open kind of space but then there's cars going this way cars going that i, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's where i went to school and so that area was very Sounds special like to me. so that. when i envision this scene um, so I, 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 I just saw this that, that's, a, that's an awesome story i've never heard anybody with, talk about uh, my character wearing onesie. a matching yeah, pink onesie or the work that goes um, into getting that horse by the movie elf, in the middle of the elf is in a costume and then also got inspired by a christmas story when the boy comes down based on pajama suit one of the things that we saw was that you actually filmed your wedding to write a with this situation and then jim like you, when you guys it. met was this Incredible. was the idea for this movie already nascent and you kind of already knew that you were going to yeah. be filming your wedding for it or did it just sort of popped in your head kind of how the same with the pink horse <laughs> <laughs> well yeah go ahead okay so two things one when we were getting married uh, we got married on saint patty's day in 2017 we originally thought we would have the financing to shoot our movie okay get this shoot our movie and then as a wrap party be able to get married and then shoot our wedding and this is where jim said what that's not gonna happen <laughs> so, so you were really thinking about mixing business with pleasure there right like kind of too <laughs> right but we're, we're thinking, just just imagine we're both new we're brand new producers you know we thought we were going to raise enough money in time and to have the have the production lined up in time like we thought that was going to happen in like weeks like 
it took us four years. <laughs> like, but you know, and then and then um, the yeah, I, we decided to shoot it. But go ahead. Yeah, the the idea of shooting the the wedding. I had a publicist who is no longer with us anymore. He's passed away, but he uh, he actually worked with. Michael Jackson and Barbara Streisand's career, and he was really creative. And this vision, this idea of shooting our wedding could be a fun way to be able to talk about our love story. And I think that's what inspired the concept of bringing in cameras. Our director of photography, he came down Casper Scouron, and we rigged him with a steady cam that came from our director, Wes Llewellyn. And he walked down the aisle, and after during our wedding kiss, our wedding party stepped aside and he circled us um, in a 360 with our steady cam, kind of like the end of the movie Runaway Bride. And then my mind is so did all your guests get a credit in the movie? Feel like B roll to go over the credits like we see in the movie Hitch. And then oh, my bridesmaid, awesome. uh, Lisa Miosi Martin, she's a documentary filmmaker and she took her cell phone, she stuck it in the lapel of her dress. <laughs> And jacket. She was wearing a jean jacket. Where she was yeah. wearing a jean jacket, and she. No, was there was there any repeat takes, or did you? Uh, all of the parts it's of a wedding, wedding. You have to get and it all so done then in she one cut take. together a really cool thing. We had a drone. Um, we had multiple cameras uh, from filmmakers that came on out and helped us. They did. Our 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 wedding invitations were call sheets. Uh, 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 call sheets, yeah. They arrived at Camp New Dawn, where we filmed, and they would they parked their car, they signed a release form, they took a bathroom break, they got on a hay wagon, and they head up to our wedding set. No, that's what I was just getting ready to say. That was one of the things that I said. I said, I said, this shooting of this wedding is not going to stop our wedding if we're not if, if we're not going to sacrifice any portions of our wedding for the shots um so thankfully everything that we got was just great you know it's like it was they had some like she said there was the drone and we had some gopro set up in the in the um so, uh, that, that's another uh, awesome story yeah and then the, back, you know, wedding, you the, kind the reception area and then we just a couple times and you mentioned you know this the first time producing what, what is it like what is the process what is it like you know there wasn't any let's get this for, shot let's get that shot we've talked about that was the one of the things i did not want to have happen and for tech startup and things like that so well and it looks great on the side of things funding for a movie seems like it's completely different is the drone shot when we're going down through the sparklers and in the middle you spin me around and dip me I love that shot. It's so magical. It's in the credits. It's so fun. Yeah, funding for a movie is a lot different than funding for any other venture because you're, you know, 90% of movies don't make their money back. So it's uh, right off the jump, it's one of the most risky investment opportunities that there are. So just like with any type of belief in a business, the first thing that the people have to believe in is you. So we were so thankful to... Um, meet people along the way who loved what what our mission was, and they invested in in our mission that we because we 
we think is so important. So that was one of the things, but it's still very, very difficult. We're, we're a lower budget project as far as the scale we might be concerned. So we really have to go to friends and family. You know, a lot of times if you're going to a big investment firm, they'll deal with the big 25 million and they'll, they'll play around with that area. But when you're doing an independent film, it can be very tricky to, to come up with the money. One of the things I've learned was if you have a movie that's basically under a couple million, the only way you can raise funds is through friends and family. That's right. Once you're above that couple million mark, you can go to banks and you could get financing through film financing funds right. and things of that nature. Um, one of the other things that we did in the beginning, because we have four products, or no, we have three products, a uh, children's book, a devotion book, and a bracelet, oh. we needed to raise money to get that going, and so we had a crowdfunding through Kickstarter, and um, because we never did Kickstarter, Jim championed it with our associate producer, Laura May, who is amazing, <laughs> and we hired the Kickstarter guy, and the Kickstarter guy... Justin Giddings? Yes! Justin used his TLC brilliance on Kickstarter and he educated Jim and Laura May on how to do it. And we actually reached our goal in how many days? Five days. Yeah, it was really, really good. So that was a part of us is that we, and then that money financed the development of our products. And we got some beautiful writers, like our children's storybook writer, which is in the movie, Beautiful Mabel, is written by Veggie Tales, which is one of the hottest kids um, in the faith market. The co-creator. Just in general, the, those songs that they sing, mm -hmm. they're, they're a popular, just a, they're a regular entity and you can get them everywhere. So yeah. yeah. So he created our storybook and we were able to, you know, pay for his talents, Mike Narwaki. And then we were able to pay for the talents of Michelle Cox, who wrote our devotional book. And she writes for the Hallmark devotional book series, When God Calls the Heart, which is incredible. And then we had some donations come in from people who believed in the, the movie that were not investments that helped finance the development of this bracelet, which now is manufactured by the company that does Michael Porter's and Catherine Zeta-Jones jewelry and QVC jewelry. And so each step along the way has been unique on how we found the people oh. to come to the financing of the this project. Yeah. One of the biggest financial contributions from people was their time. Yes, because we, um, you know, the community that we're in, you know, they believed in our project too. And, you know, people donated food. We had restaurants donating meals. My mom had, my mom came in under half a budget. She was, she was our caterer, by the way, my mom, your catering lead. And she, we gave her, I think, $12,500 to do three weeks of shooting three meals a day. And she came in under six. So Moms we are like, amazing. I mean, that's, that's, that is the power of the mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, another element was that we had so many people that, you know, just believed in us. And that was the biggest thing as far as raising funds is concerned. Like when you're doing a tech product, like if you have a really good idea and somebody thinks, oh, my gosh, this is going to be really valuable for this X, Y, and Z market, and we can target it here, and we can do it. And like we had to go through that same process, but that people have to believe that we're gonna that we're gonna create a product worthy of being distributed to those people. And gosh, thank God that we have because we like we have international distribution, we have domestic distribution. We're gonna be on all major streaming platforms, and our message is gonna get out there. And we're so thankful for people like you that 
want to sit down and have conversations with us. So, you know. And the Kickstarter vision, like people invested in, in, in a number of directions, which but were not I'm developed. Curious, they were a, a project like yours, and now literally from a financial perspective, to Jim's right, how much is the, our store you know, revenue profits, etc. How much is the, how much comes from the, the movie itself versus all the boxes of DVDs, T-shirts, soundtracks, and our children's books are going to be arriving next week, and they're finished. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're like physically in your hands and. We were on QVC, you know what I mean? Like all these visions actually came to fruition, which is, it's just exciting. And now our movie, it's just so stinking cool. <laughs> <laughs>
I want The Farmer in the Bell Saving Santa Land to be that movie for families. And so we created scenes that we thought people would like to watch over and over and over again with a message that has pearls of wisdom that just is heartwarming and inspires you um, with a feel-good message. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for sharing so much about the inner workings of the film industry, because I think for a lot of folks out there, you know, we are we are all consumers of TV shows and movies and, you know, Netflix series and Amazon series. We're all consumers of that stuff, but not everyone gets to kind of know that inner workings because it's important to understand the the machinations of the movie industry and and kind of what goes on behind that and as you two as film producers movie producers as business owners you're not only thinking about how to portray your characters on the screen but you're also thinking about behind the scenes all those details from food, you know, coordinating food for your, your crew, and then, you know, all, getting a horse in, in New York City and just all these things. I do have one question specific to, as we mentioned earlier in the show, this is your first big project together as husband and wife, and also Correct. as filmmakers. And so could you share with us, what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned about working with each other on this project? Mm. And just also to know that we have another partner, Joel Bankowski, who mm. is where there's three of us that uh, run and own the farmer and the bell. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about that. Yeah, that's what the idealist got to. Yeah. That, that's the other company. Yeah. So what did we learn working together? How well we work together. Thank you. I was going to ask. That's something I learned is that our skill sets complement each other and they're extremely different. Crewing the team, that was uh, part of my responsibility was bringing that crew in, calling people, pitching the vision. We had a fish and low budget. We didn't have very much money. So people participated because they believed in us. And then Jim had the vision of all the logistics, like the SAG paperwork, getting trailers, getting honey wagons, getting... Um... Honey wagon is a bathroom. <laughs> yes. That, that sounds like a very nice thing to say about a bathroom. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so we learned. And now with the release of the film, Jim's running the shop. So if you go to the farmerinthebell.net forward slash shop, anything you buy on that site with the merchandise from the film, Jim is on the other side of the computer packaging it and putting it together and nailing it and shipping it yeah um and i'm just i've learned that you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely astronomically yeah. amazing well thank you uh i don't know how to take compliments <laughs> very well um so i think that we learned a lot of just how to celebrate our differences and to understand and appreciate them even more because like she said you know jen's a creative mind i'm a logistical so i think about things differently and she thinks about things differently and then <laughs> us coming together you know because there's also been some times where we we've been at each other about certain things and you know what the big uh, big thing that we what we really try to do is that as we work through those things and then we if one person is quote unquote right in that circumstance is that we're, we're not keeping a record of that we're not keeping a record of rights and wrongs and we want to navigate that together but what we do learn is that you no know, jim's perspective is pretty valid when it comes to the logistics like there's a percentage of times that he's probably going to be correct so i need to consider that and when jim has an idea for creative my first thought is that's not possible mm -hmm. and i have to i have to i have to work on 
no, you know, that could be possible. You know, let me see what else she's trying to figure out. How, <laughs> how, how is it that we can make that happen? Instead of just immediately putting up a wall, which is, I honestly, I mean, I do that in my brain first, like there's no way that's going to happen. And then I, I have to kind of come around and I have to be willing to come around. Like I, I can't stick my feet in the mud. Although sometimes I, we yeah, both when you say, when you say ready, firm like about certain things, things that we're, right? that we're locked in about. Like one <laughs> yeah. example was during our first shoot, I said, we need to have radios. And she said, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't need radios. <laughs> and it was very evident on day one that we needed radios. And because I work on film crews, like I, I, I also work as a, in a, a AD department. So if I can't act, I would love to work on a project. And a lot of the independent projects uh, I've been able to be a part of, you know, I know how important radios are. Like you need to be able to communicate with people, even if they're just 20 feet away, you need to be able to talk to them quietly. And Right, we're talking about radios, they have earpieces and they have little things right here so that you can, you can actually whisper in them to communicate while you're rolling or you know, stuff like that. But that was just one of the instances where it's like, yeah, that's, we're gonna need to have that happen. Uh, but then there's elements of the script that Jen wanted to make sure that have happened. And it's just these big, you know, big giant uh, Santa Land games and like all these ideas that are just, they're, they're so far and that's where you, you have to come together and there's, there's ebbs and flows, but we have to try to get it to here. Like, it's just like one of the, and that's what we've done throughout this process is learned more about each other, how we operate and how we can best work together, understanding that the other person that we both have the same goal. Like we're both in it together. <laughs> like some of those big visions that you're like, how in the world that's not possible. I had this idea of having a little pig pen during the Santa land games and putting Santa hats on and uh, and so to be able to execute that you had to build a pig corral you had a pig cast we had to find a, a local uh, area to be able to supply the pigs um, and then another Santa land game you know were all these little details that we just envisioned and then um, you know to be able to execute them is another thing so it's been fun to work together with with all of those pieces. <laughs> well, Jim, you kind of touched on a, a question that I had, and we actually heard this from Mike and I were on a, a podcast not too long ago, and the po the podcast host asked us this question, and you kind of touched on it. So it, Jim and Jen, if you guys were not actors or film producers in the film industry, what, do you, what profession do you think you guys would, would be doing now in your careers? Um, one of the things that's always been a part of my heart uh, it's something that I've learned from just growing up in the household that I have and always having a desire uh, to please was that I've really developed a strong heart of service. So it would probably be somewhere in the hospitality industry mm -hmm. and being an actor, you know, an actor is synonymous with being a waiter. So <laughs> it's like, that's what that last old joke is like, oh, what do you do? I'm an actor. Oh, so which restaurant do you work at? <laughs> that, that's pretty much the the story and but thankfully you know for the last two years I've actually been able to not work in a restaurant anymore and to solely focus pursue this while you know I, you know I was making very good money at the restaurant I was working at but now I, I'm actually doing my passion but I think that hospitality would probably be the career path that I would be in Jen I'm gonna say she would be in public relations you're absolutely right. I would love, um, actually, I'm fascinated. This kind of falls under the film arena, but I'm fascinated by network television. 
the distribution and marketing side. I think that just is... And namely like TV movies, right? Yeah, TV yeah. movies. I'm just fascinated by that. So uh, working for Lifetime or Hallmark would be something that I would like to, sh I would be interested in striving for. Executive level stuff. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Hallmark because Hallmark's main movies are more wholesome as Lifetimes are a little bit more dreary, uh, except during Christmas. <laughs> uh, when we went out to make our film, my end vision was that we would be uh, on Hallmark. And so we worked and strived really hard to make sure every moment on screen of the farmer in the bell saving santa when you see christmas you have the feel good the emotional relationship between the farmer and the bell never gets extremely deep but it rides in that good feels category and um and so when we were selling the movie when hallmark watched it and i developed relationships with uh the folks in acquisition they they liked the story they liked the movie but it didn't fit their brand and i remember just being so discouraged like oh my gosh everything we strive to do we failed which is you know just part of the journey as being an entrepreneurial but that's where you need to have hope uh, which was the words that we spoke about in the beginning is hope and now we're excited like the movie with vision films our distributor oh my gosh they're amazing like the films coming out everywhere it's 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 everywhere when you watch a movie here during this COVID season is where you can watch The Farmer and the Bell Saving Santa Land, except Netflix. Netflix uh, also passed because of... Uh, um, it wasn't a good fit for them. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit. Well, I, wanted, I want to, for sure, before we wrap up the, the, the podcast, I definitely want to make sure that we let our audience know where they can find the movie. So we'll, we'll make sure to ask you guys that before we close. I do have one more question for you. And I think this is more for Jim, but certainly Jen, share with us your thoughts as well. We watched a promo and you mentioned that, you know, the motivation for the movie again was really to empower women and, and young women and girls, but also to change the narrative that we hear out there for men for young men, for boys that are coming of age around their viewpoints on women and just treating women differently. And, and you talked a lot about that being a, a strong motivation for you. And I'd like to know, you know, what are some of the ways you'd like to see society shift and, and the, the vision for men to shift today in the world around their role in society and their role vis-a-vis -vis the female counterpart? Yeah, so that's a great question, and I'll try not to get too deep on it, but, you know, I think that it's a, it's a really important topic because never before in our society's history have men and women been working so closely together in multiple different ways and different facets, and all of that progress is absolutely fantastic because it uplifts the entire society when there's a level playing field for men and women to participate in. But we, as we described before, we're learning how to navigate what it's like to work. Like men sometimes are used to working with men and you know, women are used to sometimes working with women and now we're working together. So there's this new dynamic that hasn't ever happened before in societies. You know, this is a brand new thing where women have more time uh, to pursue some of these things, you know, that the, the they're not staying at home all the time anymore. They're, there's the more career driven and uh, those kind of things. Those are all positive things. But the one thing that has remained true through all of that is that no matter what a gentleman may think about a woman, she is valuable. And the thing that, that I think that can be confusing for young men and boys is the, that they, they think that women are valuable as an object. 
not as somebody that has a soul. And so as we work closely together and as we get more uh, intertwined together and through schools and through all of that, I think that the my hope for this movie was that if young men and fathers and stuff do watch this movie is that it isn't that it's up to the man to give the woman value or to dangle something of value in front of the woman and use their position in a powerful way. But our goal, my goal is to support the value that is already there and not because of anything that I can do or ever will do. What I can do is encourage that value, uplift that value, support that value, but I can't give her value. And I think a lot of young women might feel like they can get value from a relationship with a man. And that's the thing that we want to, we want to combat. And, you know, this movie was being developed at a very tumultuous time, both in Hollywood and across the country. And as I said, you know, men and women working together, these types of things, you know, our inherent, uh, uh, you know, natures tend to lead towards terrible things sometimes. And so this is specifically trying to combat that is that we do need to treat women with respect and treat them like the magnificent masterpieces that they are in their own ways and that they are individuals and that they are beautiful and that they are worthy of being loved, but they do not deserve to be uh, taken advantage of or to be toyed with because men generally want to be respected and women generally want to be loved. And, you know, they can seek it. And sometimes they seek it through, like you said, like, what is my image now? Is my image going to be good enough to be loved by the man or to be loved by that boy in school? And part of that is natural. Like we, there, there is different elements that we do have to experience those processes. But I think that as a man of a, like, and I'm a father of a boy is that, you know, I, you know, and me growing up, you know, these are all things that I, you know, that I knew as a youngster, but you know, our society was different 25 years ago. And now I, I look back and I'm like, well, what, I, this is an opportunity that we can put a message out there that is women driven. You know, we were very specific that Jen drives the story, that a woman drives the story. She makes the decisions. I don't come rescue her. She makes the decision to come back to pursue the relationship. And so that was just an important story point for us. But again, I, I go back to that. If a young man does watch this movie and, and sees like, I just go back to the one thing we can do is to understand first that that is somebody's daughter. Uh, that is somebody's sister, that is somebody's brother, and that is one day potentially going to be somebody's mother. And, you know, and it's, it, it could go, for, or you could go on for, for days talking about how to treat women. But I think that the, the one thing that I think I want men and young boys to, to take away from this is that just, we are there, we're there to support each other. I think that's so beautifully said. And it is a message that is so important today because you're absolutely right, Jim. I think that today, more than any other time in history, we are seeing women take leadership roles in all industries and in all areas of the economy and our world, really. And so it's changing that narrative for women, but it's also refocusing the narrative for men and showing young men in our society that we are different but we need to be respected as equals. And I think that's a beautiful message. Jen, you were going to say something. Oh, I, Jim was talking about how psychological makeup between a man and a woman. And I wanted to share some facts that I thought were interesting. Mm. I, uh, I struggled greatly when I was a teen 
not feeling pretty enough, um, not feeling popular enough. I was called ugly and nasty names. And those negative thinking, uh, I would find myself looking to celebrities. I actually looked up to Jenny Garth and said, if I can look like Jenny Garth, I'll then be loved. I would do my hair like her, my makeup like her. And uh, this is before Instagram and photo filters even existed. Now as an adult, those negative thinking still stuck with me. And, um, and so I started to, I went through that divorce and those lies just devoured me. And so I started to talk with some psychologists and pastors and started to identify how do you overcome this negative thinking? And in doing that, I learned 90%, 90% of women starting at around age six, they start to believe this lie. If I am beautiful, then I'm worthy to be loved. And so if you think about it, people want to look pretty. Why does a woman want to look pretty? They want to receive love because a woman wants love and a man wants respect. And so talking to the psychologists and pastors, we came up with this psychological pathway that when you meditate on these truths, you cannot think, and Jim has taught me this, you cannot, the brain physically cannot meditate and dwell on something positive and negative at the same time. One replaces the other. So if you have a negative thought, and if you say something positive over top of it, and you come up with a gratitude list, your brain will literally transform and renew itself and you will come out of that dark thinking. And that's incredible. I want to thank you so much for sharing that. And it is absolutely so important for women, for, heck, even for guys too, that might struggle with, with self-conscious, you know, or, 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 you know, anxiety or whatever that might be in any situation to always the power of words is, is so valuable. You know, we had a business mentor that told us what you say and how you say it are more important than anything you ever do in business. And I think that's true in life. And I think that's true in any situation. Words are, are powerful. Words can hurt or they can heal and they can uplift. And so I think that's a beautiful way in which we can end our show today. But before we do, I want to just put a quick little plug. So again, Jim and Jen, the movie is called The Farmer and the Bell Saving Santa Land. Tell us when it's coming out and where can our audience watch this wonderful movie if they if they want to check it out? Sure. Well, there's probably about 20 different ways that you can watch the movie. So we'll name off as many as we can. No, um, uh, it releases... Uh, November 17th. So that's uh, when? This Tuesday. <laughs> this Tuesday. Okay. And our episode, we will air. So our listeners will be listening to this episode in early December. So so that okay. the, oh. the show will be out there, out but yeah. but they can see it and it will be stream. It will be live on streaming through the end of the year. Is that correct? Forever. Uh, yes. It'll be uh, on demand on different platforms like Amazon Instant. <laughs> it might even switch over to Prime at some point, but for now it's going to be, you know, one of those that you rent or buy. It's a holiday movie, so it'll kind of, it'll come each season, but like Voodoo, Fandango Now, Cox, Dish, uh, whatever, <laughs> yeah. all of them. 
are, are are carrying the movie as a as a purchase this holiday season. What are some other ones? Yeah. So, um, well, gosh, we we're everywhere. We're in Walmart. We're on in Best Buy, Barnes and Nobles online. We're in family bookstores. Yeah, it's available okay. now. Awesome, it. awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, one last question before we wrap up. This is something we ask all of our couples. We talked so much about your love story and how you courted each other and went from friendship to best friend to love to married couple and to entrepreneur and now to parents, which is the biggest and probably the most exciting and most rewarding role that you guys have to join together on. What advice would you offer other spouses looking to start a business together? Mm. I think... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, do it. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that advice. That's amazing. <laughs> I would think be open. Be open to learn and be open to grow and be open to fail. Yeah. And be open to soar together. Yeah, give yourself permission to fail and, and to also fail each other. But know that you're... You are on the same team and, you know, you, if you're going to start a business, you're probably going to have the same goals uh, or the same endpoint, the same destination. And then just enjoy the journey. And we're mindful of that. You know, Jen, Jen's better at it than me because she's always, if we work so well together, we'll come out of her mouth a lot more than it comes out of mine. But she's right. And, you know, when, when you experience those moments is to, to acknowledge them and, um, and just, just stick in it. You know, don't leave before the miracle happens type mm. of thing. Our business partner, Joel Lankowski, has really taught me is to have open, honest, and clear communication. So if there's pain and hurt and upset and conflict, which happens, you have to speak in love to get through the pain so you can have growth. And if you don't, it's just putting dust under the rug and then, you, you develop uh, hardships toward each other and, and that's not effective. Beautifully said. Thank you guys so much. We've enjoyed this conversation. We have learned so much from your love story as well as the lessons that you have shared as entrepreneurs, as, as business owners. Um, you've shared with our audience details about the film industry that quite frankly, probably many of us don't know what it's like to work behind the scenes, which is fascinating and how you guys pull that off together, how your differences in creativity and thinking have come together to really support you in your business as well as in your marriage. We wish you guys the best of luck with little baby James. He's adorable. Thank you for sharing with him with us. And, and also, and of course with the movie. And so we'll remind our audience again, The Farmer and the Bell, go check it out. Leave them a five-star review. And while you're at it, please leave a five-star review on iTunes for mixing business with pleasure. Thank you guys. So <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We wish you a wonderful holiday season. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. 
The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.